This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Dan Savage, The Majority Report, The Young Turks, Greg Proops, The David Pakman Show, The Tom Hartman Program, and The Onion Radio News. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode discusses some of the more messed up parts of religion and therefore contains a lot of profanity. A Roman Catholic bishop last week in Kansas City was found guilty, convicted. He was put on trial uh, for failing to report suspected child abuse. Not only did he fail to report it, this is Kansas City Bishop Robert Finn, uh, he covered it up and enabled more children to be abused because of his cover-up. The case began, writes the New York Times, when Reverend Sean Radigan, charismatic parish priest, blah, 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 uh, took his computer in to have it serviced, and the uh, technician immediately went to church officials because what they found on the laptop, quote, appeared to be pornographic photographs of young girls' genitals naked and clothed. Father Radican attempted suicide, survived, was sent for treatment, and Bishop Finn reassigned him to live in a convent and ordered him very sternly to stay away from children but Father Radigan, writes the New York Times, continued to attend church events and to take lewd pictures of girls for five more months until church officials reported him in 2011 without Bishop Finn's approval. So other church officials went behind the bishop's back to the police while the bishop was trying to protect this motherfucker and enabled him to abuse and traumatize more children. So he's guilty. I guess he's going to jail, right? Wrong. Bishop Finn was found guilty of one misdemeanor charge, not guilty on a second charge that he seemed to be very fucking guilty because of that second charge is about failure to report. The county was found guilty on carried a maximum penalty of one year in jail and a thousand dollar fine. But the good bishop was sentenced to two years of court supervised probation. And if he doesn't break any laws in the next two years, this will all be expunged from his record. Let's pause here for a moment and imagine that, say, I had done this, had done exactly what the bishop did. Would I get this kind of a break from a court? Would I get two years of probation and then we'll pretend the whole thing never happened? No, I would go to jail. You would go to jail. Anybody who didn't have that goofy bishop's hat on his head would go to fucking jail. This perverse deference to Catholic authorities, to bishops, to cardinals, to popes, is itself a kind of enabling of child abuse. This going easy on them, because they're men of God. He only meant to do right. He only he was true, because, oh, he loves Jesus so much. Pisses me the fuck off. The message, of course, to every pedophile on earth out there is if you want to get away with it, and you want friends who'll help you get away with it, and you want courts to go easy on you if you get caught, go get ordained first. Fuck the motherfucker and fuck you, motherfucker, if you think that motherfucker is sacred. If you cover for another motherfucker who's a kitty fucker, fuck you, you're no better than the motherfucking rapist. And if you don't like the swearing that this motherfucker forced from me and reckon it shows moral or intellectual paucity, then fuck you, motherfucker, this is language one employs when one is fucking cross about fuckers, fucking boys. I don't give a fuck if calling the Pope a motherfucker means you unthinkingly brand me and unthinking apostate. This has now to do with other fucking godly motherfuckers. I'm not interested right now in fucking scriptural debate. There are other fucking songs and there are other fucking ways. I'll be a religious apologist on other fucking days. And the fact remains, if you protect a single kitty fucker, then Pope...
local prince or plumber, you're a fucking motherfucker. Last week, Missouri voters, this is according to uh, Science Insider, passed a referendum, an amendment, uh, apparently, uh, to their constitution. I don't know if it's a constitution or just a a statute. However, it is um, the right to pray. It was Amendment 2. And it essentially basically just says that um, all residents have a natural and indefeasible right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own consciences. One of the um, aspects of this amendment, it also says that no student shall be compelled to perform or participate in academic assignments or educational presentations that violate his or her religious beliefs. So it's nice they have the right to pray. Why shouldn't people have the right to pray? In fact, it's already in our Constitution, at least uh, been divined by the uh, Supreme Court, that people have a right to pray. Of course they do. However, according to uh, Josh Resnow of the National Center for the Science Education in Oakland, California, which tracks these efforts, the words, essentially, give students the legal right to skip assignments related to evolution if the subject matter conflicts with their beliefs. That extension, uh, ex- exemption could extend throughout their scholastic career, he adds, since evolution is not just taught in one lesson but remains a recurrent theme throughout science education. The amendment also leaves a hole in their coursework as it provides no guidance on any substitute lessons. Uh, So there you have it, folks. Uh, Kids in Missouri, uh, you know what? I don't like evolution. It's icky. I'm going to skip science class today and for the rest of the year and until I graduate. However, to be fair, Mike Hoey a supporter of the amendment and executive director of the Missouri Catholic Conference thinks that Rosno is overanalyzing the language in the amendment. Sort of like a scientist. I don't think this will affect science in the classroom in any significant way, he says. I think the vast majority of students will want to participate in all units of their science classes. Which I think probably uh, completely contradicts the notion that uh, overanalyzing the language um, would bring you to the conclusion that students have the right not to participate, right? Because now he thinks, well, I think students will want to participate. The amendment makes no mention of providing an alternative curriculum, Ho, he adds, so any student who opts out of biology lesson, he says, quote, will need to face the consequences of missing those lessons. As if we all won't deal with the consequences of those students. Eh, I'm not going to listen to evolution or science. I'm just going to grow up to be a citizen of this country. And then continue on to push the idea that evolution is just a bunch of hooey. I mean, soon they'll be opting out of things about uh, climate change. I don't know. I guess there's a whole raft of things, right? So congratulations, Missouri. 
You uh, that uh, race to the bottom, you are winning. You're wrong if you support capital punishment. And you're wrong if you don't question your government. If you think your reproductive rights are inconsequent, you're wrong. You're wrong fighting jihad. Your blind faith in God. Your religions are all flawed. You're wrong about drug use. When it's not abuse, I hope you never reproduce. Paul Brown is a United States congressman from Georgia. Kind of amazing, given what he's about to tell you. This is at the Liberty Baptist Church Sportsman's Banquet last month. Here's his brilliant thoughts on evolution. I've come to understand that all that stuff I was taught about evolution, embryology, Big Bang Theory, all that is lies straight from the pit of hell. And it's lies to try to keep me and all the folks who are taught that from understanding that they need a Savior. This guy is on the Committee on Science and Technology. Lies from the pits of hell? These are the Neanderthals that are your Republican Party. These GOP should be renamed ICP, the Insane Clown Posse. Like, oh, your Beelzebub and Lucifer came up with this plan. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They were going to make the earth seem like it was billions of years old. They were going to come up with all these different layers of rocks, and they were going to come up with dinosaurs and other extinct species, and they were going to plant them into the different layers of rock. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. It's because they were uh, trying to deny us the Savior. Yeah, yeah, listen to me and all the weird, scary deers behind me. All right. Great, Paul Brown. Tell me more about your brilliant ideas on how old the Earth is. You see, there are a lot of scientific data that I've found out as a scientist that actually show that this is really a young Earth. I don't believe that the Earth is but about 9,000 years old. I believe it was created in six days as we know them. That's what the Bible says. Really? Six days. It's only about 9,000 years old. But we have human civilizations that have started villages and cities 10,000 years ago. That is absolutely clear in the record. We have cave art from human beings, Homo sapiens, from 30,000 years ago. How stupid are you? By the way, the same Committee on Science and Technology has these other guys too. Todd Aiken, legitimate rape type Aiken. A woman's body is a way of shutting all that thing down. Ben Quayle is on that committee. When Ben Quayle is the smartest Republican on a committee, you got issues. But we're not done with Brown yet. He's going to explain to us how he plans to rule in the U.S. Congress. Let's watch. It teaches us how to run our lives individually. How to run our families. How to run our churches. But it teaches us how to run all of public policy and everything in society. And that's the reason as your congressman, I hold the Holy Bible as being the major directions to me of how I vote in Washington, D.C. And I'll continue to do that. Amen. 
I bet you I could find an Al-Qaeda quote that is nearly identical. What we should run the government on is the Holy Quran. And that is how I will guide my policies in governing this. Whether it's Afghanistan with the Taliban, or it's Al-Qaeda in the different countries that they're in, they would definitely agree with Paul Brown. They would just replace the Bible with the Quran. Here's a guy saying, I don't give a damn about our secular government. I don't give a damn about science or technology or any of it. I just take this ancient text that was, by the way, a political document put together 400 years after Jesus Christ. And I believe the Emperor Constantine got it exactly right with his political calculations back then onto what to include and exclude from the Bible. And I will pretend that that is the Holy Word of God and give this incredibly scary speech with the incredibly scary deer behind me. Now, I want to skip ahead to Bill Nye, uh, graphics uh, 30 mark. So Bill Nye, the science guy, <laughs> was asked about this uh, by Huffington Post, and he had wonderful answers. He said, since the economic future of the United States depends on our tradition of technological innovation, Representative Brown's views are not in the national interest, <laughs> to say the least. Quote, for example, the Earth is simply not 9,000 years old. You think? <laughs> and then finally he said, he is by any measure unqualified to make decisions about science, space, and technology. Well, you know, which is an interesting point by Bill Nye, because I wonder what Paul Brown thinks of space. Now, of course, Earth was created 9,000 years ago. Was Mars? Was the Sun? Was the Milky Way? Was the rest of the universe? When, when did God create them? And what day was Venus created on? And should we bother to land a rover on Mars when Paul Brown already knows God's intention about Mars? Why didn't he just, he just tell us? Davy, Davy Crockett, king of this brand new place. Davy, Davy Crockett, traveling through outer space. Off went his rocket at the speed of light. Flying so fast there was no day or night Messing around with the fabric of time He knows who's guilty for there's even a crime Davy, Davy Crockett, the buckskin astronaut Davy, Davy Crockett, there's more than we were taught The difference between uh, Caligula and me is I know I'm Zeus. He just thought he was. Alexander thought he was Zeus Amon, which was two gods mixed together, which we don't do anymore. And more's the pity. Why is our god always a white guy god with a beard played by Anthony Hopkins or Morgan Freeman and shit? Why can't our god be like, you know, a, a lesbian Mexican meets a fucking Filipino dude god? I don't ever... I, don't, the, I mean, that was what the Egyptians had right. Because as soon as anyone came in and conquered them, they'd go, okay, it was Amon, but now it's Zeus too. <laughs> or it was Isis, and now it's Venus too. Or it's Athena and Isis. And do what you like. It's got a pig head, and it walks backwards, and it's got wings, and it eats you when you're dead, and it flies across the sky every night on a wax tablet. Have fun. <laughs> Why can't we have that? Instead, we have Christians come up. I don't know if you heard that fucking congressman burn the other day. He said, evolution and science are lies from the pit of hell. <laughs> This didn't happen a thousand years ago. This happened two days ago. You can watch the video. Go on YouTube and watch this. Just, just Google Congressman Pit of Hell and you'll see. He goes, the evolution's from the pit of hell. 
And then he said that the Holy Bible is his guidance for being in Congress. F- fucking God help us. <laughs> Zeus Amon help us, okay? <laughs> oh, horned, winged God. Oh, Mazda, who ruled over ancient Persepolis. In your wisdom, will you fly down with your winges and fucking slaughter these infidels? Science is not from the pit of hell, you fucking... Oh, my God. <laughs> he chairs the science committee. This is America right now, you guys. Well, I don't see what's wrong with this country. We're the greatest country in the world. We're, we're exceptional. <laughs> we're so lucky that when we land in other countries, they don't make us all get in a little short yellow bus. <laughs> if I told you the Prime Minister of England thought that science was from the pit of hell, would you, you'd be kind of like, that's fucked up. Should we be dealing with them? The head of the science committee, the chair of the science committee, thinks that evolution is from the pit of hell. First of all, prove to me there's a hell. I've been to fucking Missouri and shit. <laughs> I think you'll find Sartre was right when he said hell is other people. <laughs> there doesn't need to be there doesn't need to be a made up hell with brimstone and and someone pouring lava up your butt through a funnel or whatever. We've already got it. Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. A Republican judge has denied a transgender name change on biblical grounds. This is an odd story. On August 30th, James Dean Ingram went before Judge Bill Graves to request that her name be legally changed to Angela Renee Ingram. Angela's planning to undergo gender reassignment surgery. The request was denied on what is really the flimsiest and most insulting of reasoning, which is that Judge Graves quoted the Bible as his authority. This is via News OK. It is notable that Genesis 127 and 28 states, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female he created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The DNA code shows God meant for them to stay male and female. This is incredible, number one, because it's yet another disgusting right-wing conservative violation of the separation of church and state, but also because the DNA code that God uh, created shows all kinds of things, like bad eyesight, congenital heart conditions, predispositions to cancer, infertility, dwarfism. We have medical procedures to remedy every single one of those. According to Graves' biblical interpretation of the law, all of those should be illegal too. Let's, uh, let's, Let's also discuss that 
a human can be born with both male and female genitalia. Right, of course. I wouldn't expect this ignorant ass to know that, but you know. He pretends to be a, quote, constitutional conservative, but like many of these constitutional conservative Republicans, he is reinterpreting history to match his personal prejudices, and in this particular way, it's very, very offensive. If, uh, if there's any justice in this country, this will result in uh, disbarment immediately. I think that the judge, uh, that the, uh, pers the person involved, rather, should have a lawyer bring this to an appeals court. The judge is so clearly biased and unable to apply civil law impartially. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, the judge is supposed to apply civil law, and he's quoting the Bible. There is no greater violation than the separation of church and state than quoting the Bible as the reasoning for your decision for a civil law matter. It's unbelievable. Yeah. What happened to the Constitution? Well, that's much like union busting and Scott Walker with the NFL, with the NFL refs. They only care about the Constitution when it doesn't go away their personally held social conservatism. Right. Right. you got to go with uh, whatever you can use to further your, your agenda. Well, baby, I've been here before. I've seen this room and I've walked this floor. You know, I used to live alone. I've seen your flag on the marble arch And love is not a victory march It's a cold and it's a broken Hallelujah 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 So this is a story that, you know, I guess shouldn't surprise me, but I do find just sort of stunning. It was from the new civil rights movement.com. This happened uh, late last week. Billy Graham, that Nixon loving evangelical preacher who used to fill stadiums, and now his son goes on and claims that. President Obama is not really, really a Christian. Billy Graham, I'm not, I think no love of Jews either. So he met with Mitt Romney last week. And um, he's 93 years old, but he still carries a lot of weight in the um, evangelical evangelical, anti-Semitic, um, Obama's uh, Muslim crowd. So Mitt Romney came to uh, kiss the ring. And Billy Graham finally endorsed this guy. What impresses me even more than Governor Romney's uh, successful career are his values and strong moral convictions. I appreciate his faithful commitment to his impressive family, particularly his wife, Anne, of 43 years, and his five married not gay sons. Oh, he didn't say not gay, but uh, it was a privilege to pray with Governor Romney for his family and our country. And then blah, 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 America's at a crossroads. If you elect a Muslim, blah, blah, blah. But the interesting thing is, is that apparently when it was reported on the Sacramento Bee, and Graham's own website, commenters posted a link 
to the 2010 Graham Statement classifying the Mormon religion as a cult. Hours later, Billy Graham purges all of the pages on his website that referred to Mormonism as a cult. Somebody did a search for the word Mormon on Graham's uh, website. It identifies the six pages, which no longer include the word Mormon, but only the words cult. His website stated, Occult is any group which teaches doctrines or beliefs that deviate from the biblical message of the Christian faith. Cults often teach some Christian truth mixed with error, which might be difficult to detect. They add special revelations to their Bible. They do not accept that our relationship to Jesus, Jesus Christ is a reality by grace through faith alone, but promote instead a salvation by works. Honestly, that's one of the things that sort of grossed me out about Christianity. That, like, you're just, it's got nothing to do with what you do. It's just what you believe. So you can sin by thought and not necessarily do bad by action or lack of action. But whatever. Different strokes for different folks. And he goes on to say some of these groups are Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, the Unification Church, Unitarians, Spiritists, Scientologists, and others. Now, I don't know if Mormonism is a cult or not, but it's unbelievable that even these fundamentalists, you know, I get it, you're a fundamentalist, you're a nut job, but at least you have some type of fundamental belief in your crazy-ass convictions. But all it takes is Mitt Romney comes kisses the ring, and you have to erase your, what, what it says on your website for years and years and years? Man. When even the doctrinaire fundamentalists can't maintain uh, an ideology, what is this world coming to? Sam, it just so happens that the same day Mitt Romney visited Billy Graham, Billy Graham was also visited by Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Billy, Mormonism is not a cult. Well, that's possible. Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm with Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at Majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby, comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm. Rick Perry talking about church and state with Reverend Rick Scarborough, who's putting together 40 days to save America. Turns out we can save America uh, by praying really, really hard for Mitt Romney. Just uh, for 40 days? Yeah, well, that, that'll do no. it. That's amazing. And now in 2009, Reverend Rick Scarborough had said, of course, uh, that uh, 
he was trying to end the sexual anarchy led by the sodomites. So uh, you get a sense of this guy, and of course Rick Perry thinks this dude is swell, goes and says this. Uh, separation of church and state, uh, which has been driven uh, by the secularists to remove those people of faith from the public arena. And, and, and this uh, narrative that has been going on uh, uh, particularly since the 60s that, uh, that somehow or another there's this you know steel wall, this iron curtain, whatever you want to call it between the church and, and people of faith and, and the separation of church and state is just false on its face. Except for that part in the Constitution, which says you shall not establish a religion. Yeah, right. except for that part. Right. Yeah, Steel, it's totally false. Steel curtain, whatever, whatever, the, the, whatever the founding fathers said at that time. The yeah. framers, you always go to them. Look, the Second Amendment, they got it right. Church and state, they were a little shaky. It's a steel curtain, or whatever you want to call it. I'll call it the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. Right. how about that? How about that? Right. And I love his and argument. Are oh, the Christians are being removed from the public? The public street. what? Never before <laughs> in in sort of conscious history has there been more religion in the public square. Just <laughs> and, and, but to be fair to him, look, it's, how many presidents have we had lately that have been Christian? Almost none, <laughs> yeah, right? Almost right never. Except for the fact that they're all Christian. Christian. Right. You know, uh, I, I don't know about you, but every time I hear Rick Perry talking, I always start to think, where does he hide his Bette Midler CDs? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's, look, you're not the only one who thinks that, okay? Uh, but I think that dude is a caricature of George W. Bush. It's like a comedian. I, I agree with you. It's he's a doing, comedian he's, he's doing, doing Bush. A Bush. He's doing yeah, like, he's doing Bush. Uh, let, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Steel curtain, iron curtain, I don't know where you maybe iron it. I don't know. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, they, they hate the Christians. I, uh, yeah, no, God, I, I definitely yourself. like women. That's what I watch like. Watch yourself. I'll kiss my wife, grab another lady's tit. I love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about because for the past 47 seconds I've been thinking about the fact that I have a Bette Midler CD. <laughs> really? Yeah. And a pink shirt. And a pink Show shirt. me your turquoise belt. <laughs> not even, anyway, not so now uh, uh, Rick Perry knows where all this is coming from. Satan. <laughs> uh, yes. The idea that we should be sent to the sidelines, I will suggest to you, <laughs> is, is, is very... Uh, driven by those who are not truthful. Uh, Satan runs across the world uh, with, with his doubts and with his untruths and what have you. And one of the untruths out there uh, that uh, is driven is that people of faith should not be involved in the public arena. You know, every once in a while, like sometimes you listen to somebody speak, you think he's just going to get tired of it. And you think he's just going to say, "All right, I, I'm done. I'm done. I've been. What the fuck am I talking?" About? <laughs> just like that, he would just stop and give up, throw in the towel. It, it, he did seem tired in the middle, of, and it's Satan, and he that's right where I thought he was going to lose. It's like I'm just tired of being Rick Perry. Yeah. This is all a sham. Yeah. Kidding. You guys fell for it for a little while. I'm yeah. going on. Satan, they're going around the world, and. Uh, Hey, hey, no, no. Uh, yeah, oh, you know what? Uh, I like men. <laughs> I just, I've been dying to say that for the last 40 years. I just love them. <laughs> and if you're a man out there, please reach out to me on Twitter. Look at that man with the beautiful beard. You asked your question first. Yeah. By the way, this guy ran for president. He went on to also say, it falls on us. I mean, we are truly Christian warriors. 
Christian soldiers, and for us as Americans to stand our ground and to firmly send a message to Washington that our nation is about to uh, about more than just secular laws. As I read that, I think you take out God and you put in Allah. Allah of course, and anyone who is the exact same thing, identical to it's, what Al Qaeda is. It is said. exactly wow. what they're saying. Yeah. That's the, all. All I think of when I when so I you're hear that. so you're saying that they can't see that the thing they hate is actually inside them. Yeah, and that's why they project because they think, hey, listen, we're trying to take over the government right. with our religion. Yes. They're inciting jihad, right? A, a Christian jihad. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they might say a nonviolent one, but certainly a political Doesn't one. Doesn't matter. And it's jihad thing, yeah. can be political. It can yeah. be a lot of things, right? And, and that's why they're so pen, uh, worked up about the Sharia law. Oh my Sharia God, the Sharia, Sharia law is going to come and it's going to take over the country. Why? Because they think that's what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So they must be trying to do the same thing. Yeah. That's it. It's projection. Yeah, it's projection. Sharia so. law sounds like a Jewish girl. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh Sharia. Oh, she's kind of hot. Yeah, she's actually. really hot. You yeah, yeah. I dated a Jewish girl once. Her name was uh, Shiksa. <laughs> I ain't afraid of your Yahweh. I ain't afraid of your Allah. I ain't afraid of your Jesus. I'm afraid of what you do in the name of your God. I ain't afraid of your churches. I ain't afraid of your temples. I ain't afraid of your praying. I'm afraid of what you do in the name of your God. Rise up. Find a higher power, free up from fear, it will devour you. Watch out for the ego of the hour. The ones who say they know it are the ones who will impose it on you. I ain't afraid. Let's talk about another issue that's incredibly annoying and, and disturbing. We know that many churches, Lewis, are towing the line very, very... Uh, let's say they've blurred the line between making political endorsements and not, which is a prerequisite for maintaining tax-exempt status. Well... Here's what happened. Mega church pastor, Skyline Church pastor, I should say specifically, Jim Garlow, told his congregation that he is going to endorse Jesus, but he's encouraging you to vote for Mitt Romney. Here is what he had to say. Take a listen. Going to endorse Jesus, but he's encouraging you to vote for Let's take a second here, Lewis. Let's make a little bit of an adjustment here, just so we can make sure we get everything 100% right for people so they can hear what's going on. Please. Let's get that video started up. Here we go. Then and only then will we see God's favor once again. When we stop increasing the debt instead of stopping the spending. All right, so that, that's political for sure. That's alluding to a lot of political policy. But it's not really talking about candidates. But then he does, and here's where he goes on to talk about Mitt Romney. Fear that the President of the United States doesn't stand on these issues that I've been talking about today. Only Mitt Romney. I'm not going to talk about the party they're a part of. All I'm going to say is that the candidate, this is where they stand. Who are we going to vote that's up to you. I can't make you vote. I can't twist your arm. All I can say is this is a biblical standard of how to vote, and who are we going to vote for these next four years? It's going to be a big deal. In our Senate race, I, I know that Bob Kerry doesn't stand on these issues. I know that Deb Fisher does, because I've read on all these particular things. So... Those are the only ones I know for sure. Now everybody else I would have to speculate. Now 
Now you see, this is where I just crossed the line. I am trying to get Poland to be free of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know all about that. So this was part of a uh, a day called Pulpit Freedom Sunday, which is organized by the conservative Christian group Alliance Defending Freedom. And basically, what they want, Lewis, is very simple. They want to be able to endorse candidates from the pulpit. This should this this absolutely should result in the loss of tax exempt status. Back when we were talking about Proposition Eight, we heard a lot of clips from from churches advocating voting one way or another, and people said, "Listen, by the letter of the law." They're really talking about an issue. They're not endorsing a particular political candidate. This case is very clear. And if you go back and read a transcript of what this guy says, some people might make the argument, listen, he's actually saying, I'm telling you I'm voting for Romney, but I, I can't tell you to vote for Romney. You have to decide. The thing is, this is not legal language. The question is, can the case reasonably be made that an endorsement of a political candidate was made there? And what's the answer? Yeah. Um can you go church by church uh, in terms of tax-exempt status? I mean, obviously, there is never going to be uh, full uh, taxation of, of, the, of the Christian church, the Catholic church. I well, mean, that's the thing. The Catholic church, I think, is different from a lot of these individual Protestant churches. Right. And, and there may be a different answer. I don't know if legally each individual Catholic church or each diocese is considered its own nonprofit entity and has its own nonprofit status. I would tend to think yes. But let's forget about the Catholic Church for a second. These Protestant churches are often unaffiliated beyond their, their immediate area and individually can have their tax-exempt status removed. No question about it. Yeah. Can you imagine uh, how much uh, government income that would be, all these uh, mega-churches? The, the real estate taxes would be incredible. You know what? I would love to see an analysis of what would be the effect on the economy and on the debt if churches no longer had tax-exempt status, even not, not all churches, just all these ones that are advocating for political Just the candidates. ones where the, the pastors are driving Bentleys. The other question, by the way, is it's amazing. All these evangelicals are now supporting the Mormon instead of the Christian after years of talking about Mormonism as a cult. It's amazing. It, it really is incredible. It's, uh, it's always incredible on the David Packman Show. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Dr. Kaplan, welcome back to the program. Hey, how are you? Very, very good. Uh, very pleased to have you with us. You are the director of the Division of Medical Ethics at the Department of Population Health at New York University Langone Medical Center and the author of numerous books. Uh, and we've got a link to your website, pophealth.med.nyu.edu, on our homepage as well. Uh, and Dr. Kaplan, uh, and also for uh, NBC News, 
this this story, uh, Grace is this young girl's young woman's name, uh, twenty eight years old, Sung Yun Grace Lee, um, is dying in a Long Island hospital. Can you set up the story for us? Tell us what's going on. So this is really a sad, sad tale. Um, probably about a year ago, Grace Lee was a pretty active, vibrant woman getting ready for New York City Marathon, 28 years old, uh, living independently. She had a seizure, went into the hospital out on Long Island, and they diagnosed a rare but really nasty brain tumor. It is eating away at the part of her brain known as the cerebellum. That controls basically bodily functions, bodily movement. For listeners trying to get a handle on this, think Stephen Hawking kind of uh, fate for her. It's going to basically paralyze from the neck down. Paralyze from the neck down, uh, not able to communicate with much more than eyebrows and movement and a little mouthing of words. Cognitively, however, still there. She's certainly... Not impaired in that part of her brain at all. She's fully awake and aware. She just can't move anything. Correct. And And, go ahead. So maybe I don't know. uh, Last November, uh, excuse me, uh, September, maybe a month ago now, she had a bunch of serious seizures. Had to go into the hospital. This seems to be the end end game here because eventually this will cause her to die, all functions will shut down, and she'll die. She's on a respirator now because she can't breathe on her own, and she's on a feeding tube. Mm -hmm. So she has uh, parents, one of whom is a minister. Uh, I should add this is a Korean-American family, very close in their way. Mm -hmm. The dad is a fundamentalist Christian minister, the mom seemingly also very religious, and they've been coming in to visit her, She told the doctors, I don't want to live anymore. You're prolonging my dying with this machinery. I've had it. Let me die. Mm -hmm. The parents basically have said, you can't do that uh, to their daughter, saying this is suicide. We don't approve of you shutting off the machines. It's the work of Satan to have you do this and really coming on very strongly with her to try and discourage her from doing anything that would cause her to... uh, Turn off those machines. So the question in my mind is, why does the church or a church? This is this is a, a Protestant, a small Protestant church. Mm-hmm. Um, why does a church have the right to tell you how and when to die? And and then the, I suppose there's a second, you know, bundle ethical bundle wrapped up in this, which is that this is the way her father makes his living is by telling people how to live their lives. And part of how he tells them to live their lives includes telling them how and when they can die. And so if he allows his daughter uh, to have her own wishes, he will have diminished his own his own income, I mean, his own living. He will he will have gone against what he's, you know, it's, it's as if you were a, a Chevy salesman and you were driving a Lexus. So uh, I'll buy that and I'll say this. Let's presume it's good faith. He believes that it is not uh, allowable for someone to turn off their machines or say, I've had enough. Unfortunately, that puts him squarely at odds with law and ethics in America, which say an adult person, a 28-year-old woman, is absolutely free to decide to say, I've had it. I don't want any more uh, chemotherapy. I don't want any blood transfusions, by the way, in the name of a Jehovah's Witness. 
Some people refuse things on religious grounds. I don't want any more ventilator. I want to be allowed to go. You have that right. No parent can override it. No one can override it. Um, as long as you're competent and know what's going on and understand the consequences, then he, the minister, should not be in a position to do anything regarding his daughter's decision. On the other hand, because of the family dynamic and probably some cultural angle here, I'm sure she wants to please them and she's worried about leaving them upset. And so this weekend, believe it or not, she announced she is not going to have the ventilator removed. Hmm. Um, so she has changed her mind. Her lawyer, or guardian, I should say, who is asked to represent her independently at the hospital, confirms that. Um, so, just so listeners are clear, hmm. an adult person, your parents can't tell you what to do about much of anything, but certainly not your medical care. Mm-hmm. Can your parents come in and browbeat you and guilt you and almost coerce you into something? Well, they probably can, and that bothers me that that's going on here because she was pretty clear about she wanted, and all of a sudden, I hate to use this term, but she's had a kind of deathbed conversion. Mm-hmm. And and her father, being a minister, is in the business of persuading people about their belief systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I keep coming back to that. I, I, I It's um, not that I, I view ministers as villains. In fact, I've... I've I think that there's a certain nobility in mm-hmm. for for many people, you know, in that kind of a calling. But uh, at what point, you know, does it, to to take this out of the context of just the family? Um, at what point does even even if it wasn't her father telling her? I mean, what if it yeah, was just yeah. the church that her father represented yeah. telling her? Because my understanding, uh, Doctor Arthur Kaplan, is that. Her father is of the opinion, or has informed her, that if she turns off the ventilator, she will go to hell. Correct. And if she goes to hell, mom and dad are going to go to heaven, and they will not be together in the afterlife. And that's the big concern. Do I have that right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So, at you know, there's also an issue here of the, you know religion controlling our human behavior in ways that actually increases human suffering. And I thought it was supposed to work the other way around. Right, so my view is, when you have a dying daughter, I don't think you need to give her the straight-to-hell speech if you shut this thing off. I think you need to try and accommodate around what your dying daughter is bearing, the burden she has. And remember, turning off a machine, I don't care what a particular religious perspective might be, is not the same as a suicide. Right. A suicide is somebody who's going to kill themselves, who isn't going to die anyway, who isn't uh, uh, under any medical treatment. They're going to take some action to end their lives. And we could debate about whether that's right or wrong. But here's a woman who's saying, it's not that I want to die. I don't want to be like this, and I don't want this medical technology to prolong my dying, because that's where she's at. It's not like she's going to get better next week from this technology. It's stringing out uh, her dying. Mm-hmm. So I think the parent... The dad has it wrong. Whatever they think about suicide and what that means in the afterlife, I don't think they're describing this correctly. And what would be the correct way to describe it? I'm dying. The machines are extended my dying. Maybe I don't want to die, but I don't want to live like this, so I'd like my medical treatment stopped. If I die, so be it. If I don't, we'll have something else to think about. There's no guarantee if you pull the ventilator off, she's going to be dead in a second. So... 
it might mean she's going to die sooner. I wouldn't deny that, and that's right. probably what she wants. But it does not mean that she is somehow saying, yes, uh, I-, I wish to end my own life. Please come and inject me like Dr. Kevorkian with a, right. an overdose or something. So what this is... is, I'm dying anyway. God is worried the apocalypse may not live up to expectations. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. The Lord God announced today that he's concerned that advances in special effects in Hollywood movies has jaded his followers, and that his show-stopping final act, The Apocalypse, won't live up to fans' expectations. While wishing to stay true to his original intention of defeating Satan, God says he really wants The Apocalypse to, quote, raise the bar on terrifying spectacle. Spokesperson Fred Peterson. Well, in the, in the Middle Ages, if someone uh, saw just the shadow of one of the four horsemen, he... he would probably shit himself to death. But now people people would barely look up from their iPod. The Lord plans to rethink his apocalyptic vision by adding even more eye-popping material and a running commentary feature with Apocalypse co-producer Jerry Bruckheimer. Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio News online. Father, can you hear me? How have I let you down? I curse the day that I was Our last caller brought up uh, my wife, and, uh, you know, like any married couple, uh, we have arguments at times. Um, my wife somehow doesn't understand that uh, we live in an age where um, there's one major party that believes that she should be my chattel, and um, I, you know, ostensibly argue against that, though I think there's some decent arguments as to why a wife should be chattel, right? Am I right? Republicans, please. Uh, but here is uh, Pat Robertson, a bastion of uh, common sense on the right, answering a question as to uh, what you deal with a wife who's just not listening. Uh, how you deal with... Uh, with <laughs> just imagine, like, like if, if, if this letter... Instead of sent to the 500 Club or the 700 Club, whatever club this is, uh, this uh, Pat Robinson, imagine if it was just sort of sent to, like, any normal sort of advice show. They go, well, look, I think you guys got to uh, get together and, um, and, and deal with this and, uh, you know, maybe get some couples therapy or whatever it is, but uh, you've got to work it out. But, no, 
Here's his suggestion. This first one comes from Michael, who says, My wife has become a real problem. She has no respect for me as the head of the house. She insults me. She even went as far as stretching her hand to beat me. I've lost my self-confidence. Her words hurt so much, and she refuses to talk through our problems. Please tell me what I can do. Well, you could become a Muslim, then you could beat her. <laughs> but in lieu of that. <laughs> you don't want to go to Saudi Arabia? No. no. Uh, you know, I think she, this man's got to stand up to her, uh, and he can't let her get away with this stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think we condone wife beating these days, but something's got to be done to, to make not her. physically, but I mean, why would she not want to talk through their problems? That's well, so obvious. Pause, 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 Okay. This is a fascinating because he wants to basically say, like, isn't it, there is some wiggle room on the wife beating, isn't there? I mean, do we, I don't think we condone it these days. And then she says, does she say, not physically? Will you go back a little bit? I think she says, not physically. He's got to stand up to her. You know, like he's basically you could tr you could track the trajectory here with Pat Robbins going like, uh, go to uh, become a Muslim. You could beat her, and then they both go. Ah, just kidding. Yeah. But seriously though, uh, he's got to figure out some way of justifying beating her. Uh, I don't think we condone wife beating, do we? Uh, can't we? Isn't there? He's but he has to stick up to her in some way. And then she said, all right, let's play this again. This man's got to stand up to her, uh, and he can't let her get away with this stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think we condone wife beating these days, but something's got to be done to, to make not her. physically, but, I mean, why would she not want to talk through their problems? That's well, so unlike. She is just totally, uh, well, she's rebellious. The chances are she was rebellious with her father and mother. She's a rebellious child, and she doesn't want to submit to any authority. You see, the uh, husband is authority. Now, this is the part that my wife doesn't seem to understand either. <laughs> and... Um, we don't we don't condone physically abusing your wife, but you could emotionally destroy her. If beat, you'd like. Yeah, beat her. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, I like. I understand the sentiment, um, and um, you know, if uh, of course they can't get divorced because you know they have a covenant, so he's just going to have to. Uh, I don't know. I mean, try and find some wiggle room or. We don't condone wife beating, no. Well, not physically. Uh, yeah, good. Just checking on that one. Look, wives, let me just tell you. Well, let me just say this. I'm not going to make a general proclamation to wives. Wife, speaking specifically, you're supposed to, I think, accede to your husband's authority. <laughs> this is what, I think that's the bottom line. So... And I'll be home today at 5, honey. Even though she gets home later. Interesting to uh, note that uh, this came just one day after uh, he was uh, campaigning with Mitt Romney. Yeah. Yeah. Just a coincidence.
Now, let me tell you about an incredibly brave girl named Malala Yousafzai. She lives in the Swat Valley in Pakistan. Now, the Swat Valley in Pakistan was known as the Switzerland of Pakistan. It sounds kind of funny, but it's true. It's a beautiful area, and uh, before it was not run by fundamentalists. And there a lot of tourists would go. Unfortunately, the Taliban took that area over. It surprised a lot of people in Pakistan, and when they took it over, they did a bunch of absurd things, like they forced men to grow beards. Because God loves you more if someone else forces you to wear a beard. It's true. Uh, and then uh, they told women that they couldn't go to the bazaar. Uh, and then it got much, much worse. They whipped women who they considered immoral, and they beheaded opponents. But they also did something terrible in regards to the schools. Now, what is the enemy of fundamentalism? Knowledge, information, truth, facts. So what's the first thing they targeted? The schools. They destroyed over 200 schools mainly targeting girls' schools, but also targeting some prominent boys' schools as well. One of the schools was run by Ziauddin, who is actually the father of the girl that I mentioned. Now, why did I mention Malala? Well, she is an incredible girl. Under the pseudonym of Gul Makai, she wrote a blog for the BBC when she was 11, and she argued for freedom in education, and that girls should get an education, that it's important. At the age of 11, can you imagine how proud you would be of your daughter if she did this. At the age of 13, she led, she led a children's assembly supported by UNICEF. What an amazing girl. She was nominated last year for the International Children's Peace Prize. And on Tuesday, a member of the Taliban came and shot her in the head and the neck. Now, luckily, she did not die. She's in a hospital. They're hoping she can recover. I mean, if you believe in miracles, now that's a minor miracle right there that she didn't die. Another girl was shot as well. They just came up to a bunch of girls going to school. They said, who is Malala Yousafzai? And one of the girls innocently doesn't know, pointed her out. And, of course, she said, it's not me, but they had already shot her, or they shot her immediately afterwards. And then they turned just to be safe and shot the girl who uh, pointed her out. This is why I'm the enemy of fundamentalism. It is a scourge upon the earth. Now, not all fundamentalists are like this, obviously. But this is what fundamentalist religion does. It fights knowledge. It fights education. It fights truth. And it does it in the most grotesque ways. I'm proud to be a secular American. I'm proud to be a secular of any country. And I couldn't be prouder of Malala Yousafzai if only I could have a scintilla of her courage. Hey Jay, this is Jessica from New York. I'm calling about your comment at the end of the last episode. I hear what you're saying about how the binders of women comment was really overblown, uh, although I'm curious that your reaction was strong enough to elicit disgust. Um, I thought your point about what his comment really implied as far as co-parenting is concerned was a much better point. Um, it also speaks more specifically to the issue of gender equality, 
which I think is the real issue here. Uh, so while I agree with your statement that the comment was overblown, I'm not so quick to dismiss that because I think it did invoke an emotional reaction, especially from women, uh, which I think kind of came across because of, you know, his generally awkward stance. Uh, with the obvious hypocrisy that he's trying to appear pro-women when his policies are obviously against our well-being and his discriminatory views on gender equality. Somehow the irony of that hypocrisy combined with his robotic affect and way of communicating was just kind of funny and flooding that line, uh, you know, reflected uh, his seeming unfamiliarity with women as a species, despite his belief that he has a right to legislate our personal health issues. So I think that's why some women reacted to this comment and kind of made fun of it. And I thought it was funny. I enjoyed the funny pictures. But, you know, I, I agree and I disagree, I guess. Um, but yeah, thanks for all your hard work. Love the show. Yes, I'm calling in regarding a segment about the Romney and the binders of women. Um, I, I didn't get why everybody was so upset about it either, but, but what I do um, would like to point out is that, first of all, there's a group in Massachusetts known as Mass Gap. They've been in existence for a long time, and in every gubernatorial um, election, they put together binders of women, people who are actually qualified to fill cabinet positions in the governor's office, and they bring them to both candidates for the gubernatorial office before the election. They give them to Romney Gotham and um, the Democratic woman running also Gotham. He never sent anybody out to find women. That was a complete distortion of the facts. They were given to him before he was ever elected. When he took office, there were about 30% of women in, in the offices. I think he did raise it up to something like 42%, but before the end of his term, that number was down to 27%. Uh, what I found offensive was that he tried to take credit for going out and getting the women, you know, um, you know, searching the, out for the women who were qualified for these positions, which he absolutely did not do. They were brought to him, and, you know, it was just another way for him to, I don't know, make himself look better um, on the women's issues when we all know that the Republicans in general are not women-friendly, have several issues with women in general. Um, I just found the whole thing really offensive, as I found his comments about women needing to be home with their children offensive, because, you know, if you have a partner in your life, um, then you're both equally responsible for your children. And, and I'm really sick and tired of, with, of people like him stating that it's a woman's responsibility to primarily care for children. I don't believe that to be the case. Anyway, my name is Irene Ennis. Um, I'm, I'm actually in my 60s. Um, I listen to your show all the time. I really like it. I'm a long-haul truck driver, so I listen when I'm driving. And just keep up the good work. I really like it. Thank you very much. Bye. Hey, Jay. This is Mark in Columbia, South Carolina. I just listened to your utter asininity show. And I just had to call in about your uh, comments about the Mitt Romney binders full of women. And uh, I think you hit the nail square on the head. Um, I feel exactly like you do. I do not understand at all why such a big deal was made out of that comment when it's precisely like that you didn't build that comment that Obama made. That's just my take on it. Living in, in Columbia, South Carolina, you know, you're totally inundated with conservative media. 
you flip through the radio, there's nothing but conservative media. You know, you in public, Fox News is on t- TVs and businesses, hospitals, restaurants. I mean, it's crazy. So, you know, I rely on you guys to get an intelligent argument, and it's really annoying when, you know, people take off and run with that kind of stuff. Like, you know, call it for what it is, bullshit. Uh, you know, I think you nailed it. And I just wanted to say thanks for making that, you know, statement and, you know, being real about it because that's exactly what it was, was, well, quite fittingly, asinine. Thanks, Jay. Hi, Jay. This is Elka in Fort Wayne. I'm calling to respond to your final comments about the whole Mitt Romney women in binders situation. You know, when I heard that statement during the debate, I knew what he was trying to say. I knew that he, you know, meant that someone had brought him a binder full of applications or, you know, resumes of women, of qualified women. But the reason that this has taken off as a meme and that, you know, it has gotten so much attention is because it shows a pattern of thought, of repeated thought and belief from Mitt Romney that just does not belong in modern thinking, in modern America in 2012. That is what is frightening about it. And it's not just a gaffe on his part. It's not just misspeaking. It's not just misstating things. From this man, it is a pattern of thought and belief. And and that is the deeper issue. That is the deeper problem. Now, I agree with you that there are times when, you know, those of us who are progressives, you know, need to chill out and not take everything quite so, you know, rah, 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 and, and just jump on, on every little thing that someone from the right says. But, again, in this case, I totally understand the outrage about that comment. I totally understand why that comment has become such a, a huge meme, because it shows his thought pattern. It shows his belief about women, and it reflects much of society's belief Um, whether stated or unstated, about where women should be, what women should be doing, um, the dismissive, arrogant attitude and tone towards women. So that's sort of my take on that situation, and I just wanted to share that. Thanks, Jay. Keep up the good work. Bye-bye. Hi, Jay. This is Emma from Wellesley, Mass., and you can extrapolate my degree of militant feminazism from that location. You invited explanation of why maybe this gap has taken off and become a meme. So as a woman, I'll give you a mixture of theory and feelings because I'll tell you right now, it's not about the binder comment. That was just the absurd culmination of a bizarre and condescending story. So he tells the story awkwardly, and we're already on edge because you can tell that he's uncomfortable with the topic. And it was essentially that once upon a time there was this government and it was all male because... Either women had not taken the initiative to apply for important jobs, or there were no women who were qualified. I mean, enter Romney, the older white male hero, neglecting to mention that he was actually bound to do all this by an earlier bipartisan agreement. He took a concerted effort to go out and find women, anyone, who had backgrounds that might make them qualified to be part of the Massachusetts government. It was a long quest and required going to women's groups this I guess, bizarrely sequestered area of the workforce and saying, here, I'm Governor Romney, and I'm telling you, you're smart enough for this job. We'll make it work for you. We just really, really need to fill this quota. Come on over. You see, in his effort to make this into an epic, he made it sound like it's really hard to find qualified women that could could handle senior leadership positions. 
He was astonished when he found them. And here's where we get to the binder's comment. What did the phrase really mean? We had so many women. There were so many qualified women. It's shocking. Entire binders full of women. Women are so smart. He meant it to be flattering, but it wasn't. It was incredibly condescending. And the imagery, you're right, on its own, it's nothing special. But after a show like that, the literal objectification of the women he hired was palpable. I'm not talking about, like, sexualization, the way we use that word objectify usually. I mean the original, literal, theoretical definition. These women were things he got from a women's group. They were objects that he then could use to fill his cabinet in an acceptable manner. They were pieces of paper in a binder. As for what you identified as the gas, implying that men must not need time at home, I mean, I can explain that for you. <laughs> Corporate and workplace culture historically is male culture, and male culture is historically having the privilege of leaving all home duties to the wife who doesn't have a job. You're totally right, the men need those hours too, but that's a little bit more advanced, I think, than Romney will ever be. It really is just not until women show up at an office that people start really even envisioning work-life balance in a realistic way that demands something from their supervisors. And that's just how history is gone and is still going. I don't expect much from Romney in terms of challenging traditional gender roles, which is what flexible work, out, work hours for both genders is about. So you're right that it sucks, but what did we expect? Anyway, um, thanks for the show, Jay. I really enjoyed this one. Keep up the good work, and I hope I've shed some light on this. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. First of all, the big news that Best of the Left has, in fact, been nominated for a Stitcher Award. Thanks entirely to you guys, so thanks to everyone who took the time to go over to that awards uh, nomination process and uh, submit the show. We're in pretty good company, uh, so Best of the Left totally independent uh, podcast produced out of my living room is up against uh, the Wall Street Journal, the BBC, the Rachel Maddow Show, American Public Media's Marketplace, and Fox News Radio. So, uh, so you know, it's it's quite an honor just to be in the group. Uh, it's very nice, and uh, you know, plenty of people are going to be seeing the show just listed there, which is going to be great uh, just to be there. And the only thing better than being seen and being nominated would be winning, and that is again completely up to you guys. So, if you could please, uh, the award site is at Stitcher.com/slash Stitcher Awards. And that is also linked in the show notes. There's a big link on bestofleft.com. And you can go and you can vote once each day between now and November 5th. So if you could do that, set a little alarm for yourself like I've done and put it in my calendar so every day I'm reminded to go vote, uh, that would be awesome. And uh, thanks in advance. Secondly, I'm not going to get into uh, the binder comment. I'm going to give myself more time to do that in the following episode. I just want to say that you know, for anyone who feels represented by the women who called in, saying, you know, Jay, I think I think you like missed the bigger picture on this, um, or, or kind of misunderstand what, what sort of the drive of, of the idea was. I think the good news is that I can I can say, I don't I don't think I missed the big picture. I don't think I said everything I understood in the previous uh, commentary, and so it's not anyone's fault for thinking I, I you know, didn't understand it fully. I, I just didn't go into as much detail, but believe me, if if people had called in and they had, had given some ideas and some thoughts that I hadn't thought of or hadn't occurred to me or, or you know anything like that, 
believe me, I would come on here and say, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I didn't realize that. You know, that is a great perspective I hadn't thought of. I really do think I understood everything that the, the women who called in uh, to uh, to say. Um, side note, that was not a representative selection of the uh, voicemails that came in. A lot of people called in saying that I was 100% right, but those are really boring to listen to. So I, I wanted to get those perspectives in who, you know, either sort of agreed or disagreed or, you know, things like that that would uh, continue the conversation. So uh, in the next episode, I will break down in a little bit more detail why I, I, I disagree. And it's I, I think I'm coming at this from a different angle. It's I really do understand a, how bad of a dude Romney is on women's issues how everything he says on the topic is part of a pattern for him and, and you know basically everything uh, he says is against women's interests and so on uh, so th- we actually like there's essentially zero percent disagreement between me and any of the women who called in in terms of their conclusions uh, and the substantive points that they made and so my point is really only an issue of tactics you know political tactics and the general discourse of politics. So that, that's what I'm going to talk about. I'll give myself a little bit more time to do that in the next episode. So that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks especially to those who support the show by becoming a member or uh, making one-time donations. That is how the show survives on their financial support. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the word of individual clips you particularly like by sharing those through your social networks. All that can be done through the website. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com Fine, fine, tell black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Bitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor